Welcome, welcome, welcome. You listen to KGS 1220 and 98.1 FM, the S. Brian Radio Show. Well, before we get started, we have a couple of things to go over. First of all, uh, we're going to welcome Patrick as now part of the team. Hey, everybody. He'll be on every week. <laughs> Patrick, congratulations. <laughs> I, th- I think Where's I've your- been on every week, by Where's- the way. Where- no, you haven't. For like the last oh, two God. years. No, he hasn't. Every week for the last few years. <laughs> what are you talking I'm, I'm about? I'm almost certain about that. He was, he after he gave up the job as engineer to Emily, he was, oh, I don't know if I can make it. Oh, I got stuff to do. Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> but anyway, welcome uh, back. But yeah, where that's is. That's because he was making, making excuses not to show up until finally <laughs> it was not optional anymore. And he. <laughs> Right, and then he realized... he now reali- we're considering it a promotion. Because <laughs> he realized how much he missed us. Now, where's that clapping thing that you've got for pe- the announcement of Patrick? We don't have a clap. Yes, you do. No, we don't. We have something. Have a, was it not we playing? We have a crowd noise. We have a crowd noise going, yeah! You do yeah, have that. We do. Yeah, we do have the yay. Exactly. <laughs> There's no <All> clap. Right. <laughs> well, That's, whatever. A, a, a crowd would work. That 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 crowd. I think so, my, oh. my version was better. My version was better. <laughs> okay, a golf that's a clap. golf crowd. <laughs> golf crowd. Golf <laughs> golf clap. But it works. No, it works. It works. Are we gonna go to the country club afterwards? All right. So um, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> I love shooting golf. Yeah. If, Should we talk to you like this, Patrick? Should we say hello, Patrick? Uh, Would you like to join us at the club or around the golf after this? Actually, is that like the master's like hello, friends? No, Pat, Patrick reminds me of Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack. All right, so I get more respect around here. You remind me of Rodney. <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or 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 an insult, but I get more respect. What can I say? <laughs> he was very orthodox. <laughs> <laughs> I know who Rodney Dangerfield is, by the way. I do know who he is. Very funny. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> I've seen plenty of movies with him. Well, funny guy. Um, anyway, uh, so each week we have a show called Ask Brian. It's a business show, and we have a lot of reasons why people constantly ask us, why are you spelling your name Brian, B-R-I-E-N? So anyone who's never listened to the show, we're going to explain it. For people who have, they're going to go, Oh, no, again, but we're going to do it anyway until we kind of drill it down. So we, everybody wants to know why Brian is spelled with an E because most people spell Brian B-R-I-A-N or B-R-Y-A-N, and we're not the Irish pub called O'Brien's, okay? And even though you're Irish, your name is not O'Brien. So everybody wants to know why we spell Brian with an E. And Patrick, who is now a regular on the show, <laughs> is going to explain to the crowd. Where's that crowd? Oh, I guess we lost the crowd. Anyway, um, eventually she'll find it. Go ahead. There's a golf clap. I, I like the golf clap. I like the golf clap. So, Patrick, why yes. do we spell why – why is Brian with an E? Well, because a number of words that start with E kind of make up the theme of the Ask Brian show. In fact, uh, one of them is – well, it's well, kind of – the theme has two E's in it. theme does have two E's in it. That is true, but it starts with a T. <laughs> That's true. Uh, one of our most important ones, not that they're all not important, but one of our more important themes would be education because we try to educate uh, our audience. Well, that's true. Congratulations. I'll give you a, a little seal thing oh, you know, with Lord. a flip of the fish oh. because you got the number one. Well, okay. It doesn't always get that, folks, so today's a special occasion. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, that worked. Yay. That worked. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Thank Emily. Thank you, Emily. You're welcome. 
<laughs> another E is uh, also, since we just brought her up, another E is engineer who happens to be Emily. So that's two E's. That's double E, like that's theme. Double E. Yay! And then there's always one in the crowd, Trace. <laughs> <laughs> and then there is uh, kind of two that are kind of synonymous with each other, but uh, one of one of you brings the enthusiasm, and the other one brings the excitement. <laughs> I was ready for. I that. guess I'm taking credit for enthusiasm because. <laughs> I can't stop that. <laughs> oh, you certainly can. Uh, other words we have, we have experience because uh, everybody that is brought on to the Ask Brian show is very experienced in their uh, field. And also experts because every guest on here is an expert. And tell them with your mathematical skills now. It's 10,000 hours. And how do you get 10,000 hours? That's all I got. Yes, you do. You know. Nope. Especially as a regular member, you're going to have to memorize this. Can we write it down like 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 a, like a key card or something? Uh, how because many? How many? And we should probably do that like before we're loud. <laughs> you know. <laughs> how how many hours do do most people work for a full work work week? Forty hours a week. And how many weeks are there in a year? I don't know. A if, lot. There a are fifty two. Got it. <laughs> but we take off two weeks for vacation. Well, some so people. So fifty times forty is how much? Math. You're giving me math. I can't wow. type this wow. fast. Hold on. <laughs> two thousand hours. Okay, and how many how many years does it take to become become ten years ten years no five years oh okay to be experienced because two thousand two times five is ten right okay <laughs> that's our math lesson for the day so you've already been educated all right it's like the count moving from along Street. <laughs> and then uh, are we forgetting any or are we down well, to let's, our, let's our, do, our last one? well let's do the major one because we okay. said we're going to do something about right that. right so uh, Tracy. We all know about Grease Lightning, and what is that? Oh, I can't say it with such enthusiasm today because my heart is broken, but one of my favorite E-words from sport always and forever is electrifying. But today we are sad because we have lost Olivia Newton-John, the mm-hmm. original electrifying. I thought it was really Sandra D from Grease, but okay. Sandy! <laughs> Anyway, we're yes, going. Yes, but Sandy g- and Olivia are synonymous in my heart. Very true. All right, so we're going to have a 20 second moment of silence. Four more seconds. We, we, we can talk now. I don't know what she's doing with her face. I was going to say, I don't, I don't know, know what she's, she's doing with I'm her like, face. I'm like, why, I'm like, I'm like, why I'm are looking, you having her come back? I'm like, you're the one that I'm talks. Look, I'm looking at the clock. I count the well, clock. Well, then you, break, then you can bring us back. In a moment of silence. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> you're, the, you're the one that brings us. You're we, started. We, you have to bring us back. Yes, but I am, but I'm looking at the clock. And, she, you know, normally when you count the time, you look at a clock, all right? I don't know Fair how enough. people do poor, that. Poor Sandra D. She didn't even get a proper message. Well, and, 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 and now, and now because of that, we can tell Tracy how unempathetic she is. Oh, she empathy. Not, We're missing one. She was not one. empathized at all. Hey, okay. And she actually made a joke about someone's death. <laughs> 
Oh. No, 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 she didn't. You're laughing. We're giving a moment of silence. I am not accepting that exaggeration. That is a very big exaggeration. And an exaggeration starts with an E. That is very true. There we go. Bringing it back to the E's. I think that covers them all, doesn't it? So you did experts, correct? Yes. Um, we did empathy. We enthusiasm. Well, not exactly. Let's introduce, our ex- <laughs> let's introduce our expert. Yeah. How about that? Let's introduce. If, if she's still here, yeah. she's no, I'm sure she's gone. She's so like said enough. Uh, what did I'm Heather? Get, what did I'm Heather here. get me into? Anyway, <laughs> we're back. So, uh, thank you very much for being our, our guest today. Uh, I have a couple questions for you. Um, currently, what is your um, what business are you currently working on right now, Patrick? Where are you going? Oh, you got to take off. Patrick's got to take off. He's got a little cavity issue. <laughs> golf match to get to. He's going to the dentist. So, my business is serendipitous psychotherapy. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in private practice, and some projects I'm currently working on. It, um, I adapted my autobiography into a short film. Um, and we'll actually be out in L.A. in October uh, showcasing it at the uh, Real Film Festival in North Hollywood. So that's going to be actually in the movie theaters, or, or can you download it off of Hulu? It, it, it's a, well, we're having a film festival there for a week in a movie theater, um, but this is something that I use as a visual tool to educate large communities about mental health and substance abuse. And, and and what is your major area of um, uh, of social work? Or um, I work. Yeah, well, I've been in practice um, for over twenty years, and um, currently working with adults um, and couples in psychotherapy, working on um, depression, anxiety, uh, conflict, and relationships. So I didn't. I don't. I don't. Tell me if I'm going too far off key here, but. Because this is a business show, how does that uh, interact on the business side? I mean, obviously, you can't have a husband and wife or, or or business partners that can have issues, right? But how would that? How does that apply in the business world? Can you make that connection? Sure. Well, I work with a lot of people who are CEOs of companies and certainly entrepreneurs and myself, having started my own business, um, and they don't teach you that in grad school um, when you decide to become a social worker. So I'm pretty scrappy and um, have really, you know, learned trial by fire and connecting with other entrepreneurs who have been mentors to me. And, And when did you write your book? Your order. In 2017, and um, actually my colleagues advised me not to because it's an autobiography. And as somebody who is known as the expert in the field, um, a lot of them thought it would ruin my career. And, um, you know, having people read about my own story of kind of, you know, experiencing some of my own trauma and growing up above my parents' bar in Chicago, which I credit why I got into this field anyway, <laughs> um, it actually did the opposite. So uh, publishing the book exploded my career in terms of just having amazing platforms to share what my mission is and um, inspire other people and speak all over the world. And um, I'm really glad I didn't listen to the naysayers. Now, that book, you you wrote that yourself, or did you have uh, ghostwriters or other people help you out? or No, that... I wrote it myself. It's called Myself, an Autobiography of Survival. 
And I actually uh, was planning on publishing it with a publishing company, but they were small and in New York and went bankrupt about a week before my book was about to launch. So I had to figure out a way to do it and um, decided to self-publish through Amazon. And it became um, an award-winning autobiography as well as an Amazon bestseller. Well, if they would have taken the book a couple of weeks earlier, they would never have had to follow bankruptcy. Anyway, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. But it actually ended up working out to my benefit. So, you know, um, being able to shift and pivot and figure out a different way uh, was really beneficial and helped me grow as a business person too. Now, how, how long did it take you to write that book approximately? Oh, goodness. Well, I have four kids. Uh, so you have to multiply it by they're... 10. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I said uh, it took me about 10 years with uh, a couple hiatuses in between having children, um, but really focused hard for 18 months right before it published. And then once you got this book, okay, uh, was it just that it was on Amazon? Was what was able to get it out to the public or how, how were you able to get it out to the public? I mean, you know, it's like the field of dreams. You know, I always hear about that, right? If you build it, they will come. Well, it doesn't really work that way. I mean, you know, you can have a book, but people need to know about it. How, how did you, sure. how did you market it? Great question. So, you know, I, I did a lot of local events to get the word out and um, had platforms where I'm based in Chicago and so had great opportunities here, but what ultimately ended up doing it for me was um, being a guest on the day show. And when they referenced the book, then a bunch of people bought it, and that's how it became an Amazon bestseller um, in women's biographies. And one thing led to the next, and um, was able to share my story on the Tamron Hall show and the Drew Barrymore show, and um, I've been... Uh, a guest expert on other platforms as well and get to promote my book. So um, that's kind of the ticket. And uh, I, that was something, you know, that I didn't know how to do either and was looking for a PR rep, but um, got quotes for like $10,000 a month and <laughs> couldn't afford that. So I said, well, I'm scrappy. I hustle hard. I'll figure it out and just started pitching um, on my own and, uh, I guess my story is very relatable, and um, it kind of took off from there. And then that's how we adapted it into a short film. Well, definitely, when you get on the Today Show, that's got to got to mean a lot of lot. Uh, a lot of viewers are going to see it, and and it can definitely kickstart you. I I would think, but um, just yeah. to, just to get to the Today Show without a publicist, I can only imagine it's very difficult. I'm imagining that a lot of people want to be on the Today Show, and of those people that want to be on. Um, you know, they have publicists, they have people that have know these people for years and years and, and can sell it. To sell it on your own like you did, uh, if there was a clap, I don't know if Emily has it anymore. <laughs> I, I guess she can't clap right now. She's Her clapper is out, so we'll do it here. Yay! Yeah, no, I, I Yay! That's the yes, Brian clap. <laughs> <laughs> no, I recognize, you know, I so many things. I think when people tell me I can't do something, it makes me work harder and figure out a way. And there were so many roadblocks and, um, you know, I, I did, I, I beat the odds of numbers and people saying you can't or you shouldn't. And, you know, I really did listen to my gut and my instinct and knew that, uh, you know, this story needed to be told and, um, you know, inspire other people to make changes in their own life. 
So without getting too far deep, too deep here, okay, sure. what was unique that you think was unique in your story that made something like that, that they should say, you know what, this is something we want to have on our show? Um, well, there are many chapters in the book, but one of them was, um, you know, I decided to stop drinking alcohol. I haven't grown up above my parents' bar. Um, I was exposed at a really young age and kind of fell into this quote unquote mommy drinking culture, as they call it in the media. And so this normalization of women with small children getting together and drinking wine and, um, you know, means of mommy juice. Um, I think that that piece was really relatable. I mean, even now, more so after the pandemic, I mean, my book came out many years ago, uh, five years ago, but um, since the pandemic that has risen exponentially, I think the New York Post did a study that women are drinking at 323% more than they were since the start of the pandemic. So it's really um, an issue now. And it's not, am I an alcoholic? Am I not? It's this gray area in between of I'm still functioning. I'm still taking care of my kids. Maybe I'm going to work and performing fine, but I'm not the best that I can be. I'm blacking out or doing things I regret. I'm not being a good role model for my kids. Um, And so I think that, that that whole sober curious movement uh, came after I published my book, and so there's been a lot of opportunities since then. Well, you know, in the old days, in the 70s and 80s, there were, used to have people say the three martini lunch, right? They'd go out for a lunch, you know, and they'd have two or three martinis come back, and their faces would be red. So, I mean, this is nothing new. Yeah. This has been going on for years and years. Right, right. <laughs> uh, it may have changed. The pandemic obviously changed a lot of things because now you could have more freedom and you can do what you want to in your mm-hmm. house, even though you were technically working, right? Um, so one thing you haven't mentioned, and I don't know if I want to, if it's going to hit a nerve, but I, I always try to do stuff. So um, what about your husband? Are you married? In what regard? Well, are you currently married? Yes, I am. I'm married. I've been married for 18 years. We met at my parents' bar, <laughs> and he he's an actor, um, which is part of the reason we decided to do the film. He plays a, a character of himself, um, but he still drinks, and, you know, I haven't had a drink in nine years, and it's done nothing but strengthen our marriage, and he still drinks, um, but doesn't have a problem with alcohol, and... Um, you know, I come from a long line of addiction and with four kids, you know, the likelihood that one or four of them will develop a problem is high. So we educate them young and, um, you know, just really a piece about, like you said, this isn't anything new, right? Like we live in a drinking saturated culture. However, there hasn't been much of a focus on the impact of alcohol and women. And I think there was an old school model of AA, which helped me tremendously get sober. But there, there's this whole new culture in the last five years or so of, you know, mom, mom sober squad or all these social media groups of sober curiosity. And so um, I, I think it's taking a turn similarly as smoking did. Without that, we're going to be taking a break. We're going to be right back. Listen to KHS 1220, 98.1 FM, The S. Bryan Show.
Welcome back. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Like no other station in the world! That's, our, that's their slogan here, by the way. <laughs> oh, Tracy, you had something you to ask. Things, <laughs> I have to say, you've done things to that slogan they probably never thought was possible. <laughs> I, I'm what yes, they called so a true disruptor. <laughs> Yes, so I'm so glad we're back, and you know, one of the big E's that we talk about on the Ask Brian Radio Show is entrepreneurship, so would you share with us um, a little bit about your entrepreneurship journey and how you got to starting um, Serendipitous Psychology, right? Is that the name of your business? Uh, Serendipitous Psychotherapy. Sure. So, you <laughs> sure. know, I, <laughs> sure. Um, That's very serendipitous, I, but I should ask you that. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I, you know, was really interested in figuring out what moved people, what made people tick, what, you know, what struggles they had been through, how they came through the other side. So I decided to study it in college and was really in like grassroots social work in my early 20s and working in child welfare and um, working for systems. And, you know, the, the, the comments that I received from a lot of people in the field was, oh, never expect to make any money doing this work. You know, we're paid so poorly, yada, yada. Um, and again, that was another and I was like, I don't know about that. So I really enjoyed working in community as a social worker. But then, um, you know, after my husband and I got married, we moved out to L.A. And I started working in private practice in some group uh, facilities and really loved the work. Um, and then when we moved back to Chicago, was working for another group practice and I had been there for five years and I had asked for a raise and the woman at the practice said, well, you're probably the highest paid social worker in the city. The only way you're going to make more money is if you leave the practice. So that gave me permission to do that. And, you know, with four kids um, and a husband as an actor, that is a very unpredictable job at times. Um, I knew that I needed to work for myself and I needed to venture out on my own um, and not take insurance. Um, so I see all clients who are private pay and have a full caseload of about 25 to 30 clients a week in conjunction with some of the other things in the media and the book and the movie. And what was one of the things that you found that was the biggest challenge between, you know, moving from, and I'm sure that was a difficult decision, even though you had aspirations to have a higher income, you have four kids, a husband, you know, with more of a sporadic income. What was the biggest challenge for you in terms of like leaving the system and the benefits and salary and things like that to then be a solopreneur and start your own practice? Oh my gosh. Well, it was, and moving from LA to Chicago, I think, you know, you, so much of being an entrepreneur for me were, were the connections that I made. And, um, certainly in psychotherapy, you know, I brought on, um, interns who would train under me. And, um, a lot of it was recreating relationships. The good news is I came back to a place where I grew up. So I had, um, some connections, but none that were even, in the field that I was in. So literally 
like going to doctor's offices, uh, like old school, you know, knocking on people's doors and asking if I could, you know, give them a pitch about the work that I do. And eventually it was all about the relationship building. Um, and so, so much of my business comes from word of mouth. Um, and, and so I think initially that was really hard to develop those relationships, but once they were strong enough, now I don't really even need to market anymore. That's amazing. Well, and a Today Show appearance doesn't hurt that either. So, uh, <laughs> but um, in, in continuing the conversation around your journey, and you've shared very honestly, which certainly appreciate, about now being a, a sober entrepreneur running your business, but you've been in business longer than you've been sober. So my question mm-hmm. whoa, 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 to you whoa, what is... What kind of statement is that? How do you know? Hello? How do you know? Because... Because she told me already that she's been in oh. business longer than nine years, and she said she's been sober for nine years, and I'm not mathematically challenged. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, thanks for the question. <laughs> but now my question is, um, what has your experience as an entrepreneur in sobriety, how is that different from your entrepreneur? you being an entrepreneur who wasn't sober, especially starting out? Oh, my gosh. I love that question because there's such a, 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 a stark difference between the two. You know, I mean, I was very high-functioning when I was drinking, but, um, you know, that was, I think, the people that I saw was, you know, new moms, new dads, people who were on their professional journey just starting out, and I feel as though as I grew in my own personal life, it attracted different kinds of, of clients as well. And so, um, you know, as I had mentioned, when colleagues were like, you know, you really shouldn't share your story, you're the expert, not the patient, um, in quotes, uh, I thought, well, gosh, you know, if I fail, fine, I can always go back to an institution <laughs> to work at, but it exploded in terms of my sober journey attracting other people, mainly women, because I'm a women's mental health expert, who wanted to evaluate their drinking or whose drinking had impacted their family unit. Um, And so the clarity that I had with that as a sober person running a business and the energy that I put into maybe drinking and socializing prior in my business. And that was a big part of building relationships too, right? Like getting a drink with somebody going out to dinner, then was converted to, okay, there's something here that people are relating to. How can I, um, how can I grow that? And, and just the sense of like, gosh, if I can do this, I can do anything. Anything. And so there really weren't limits for me. And I'm kind of, for better or for worse, will say anything, <laughs> do anything. I'm really transparent. And um, that's been a great tool in business. Um, and certainly just, you know, I ask myself, as I tell my clients, like, what, what's the worst somebody's going to say? No. You know, if you ask. And so there's really been this approach of like fearlessness because um, I feel like mm-hmm. I have nothing to lose and I'm doing it with a sober mind. And Tracy, we have about sixty seconds. We yeah. know we have ten seconds. <laughs> That's okay. Ten. Oh, then I'm gonna. I'm saving my question until we come back. So um, <laughs> I, I was just gonna say that 
I bet your clients really appreciate that they can relate to you because you are so honest about your sobriety. And, and, You're absolutely right. That's made all the difference. We've we got to take a quick break, but I, what I was thinking when you made those comments was the authenticity issue, right? So mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. can relate to somebody that has dealt with it. So I think that, in my mind, that's why I think that was very successful because people feel like I can relate to somebody. It's not just, you know, uh, a case study, right? It's actually you. Yes. Yes. And I think somebody that, who's that, been in the trenches didn't exactly. just study it. Exactly. <laughs> right. And now without any further ado, we have our is our guest available? Mandy, are you there? I am here. Okay, so each week the S. Bryan show is thankfully sponsored by two people, two companies, Albany Farms and Legal Steps. So the first question people have is what is Albany Farms twisted noodles and what what can you tell us about the product? Okay, so um, Twisted Noodles is our brand name for for Albany Farms, and they are delicious ramen noodles. Um, most importantly, they're probably made in the United States. We are opening up our first food manufacturing facility located in Bellfish, South Dakota. Um, and w- so. Yeah. What's different about what, what's different about those noodles? Why can't I just go and buy uh, whatever other brands there are at the at the supermarket? What's what's unique about your brand besides that it's made in South Dakota? Well, we feel our ramen noodles are you know a step up from your everyday ramen noodle that you see on the shelf. And um, our noodles are more premium, but at the same time, we still make it affordable for our consumers. And what makes it even I think more special is our flour comes from local wheat farmers. Um, and so, and if you know ramen, ramen is all about the entire experience. So we feel like, you know, we've created the perfect formula for our noodles that will go well with just about any seasoning. So we plan to have some fun with it and come up with some creative flavors that um, will go great with the noodles. And quickly, what is Legal Steps and what, what do they do? Legal steps, steps spelt with a Z. And why just spell it with a Z? That's because we teach you everything from A to Z. Teach you about what? <laughs> well, legal steps is it's basically a how-to guide on how to become an entrepreneur and how to start a business. And so basically whether it's determining your business structure or uh, crafting a detailed marketing strategy, or we can walk you through steps on to take on how to create your own logo. Basically, Legal Steps is that guide that can help point you in the right direction. Well, super. Thank you very much for sponsoring us. we got to go back to our guest. Thanks, Mandy. Uh, Tracy, you had some more questions for Kelly. Yes, I do. So, uh, thank you. Uh, so, I... I, I've heard, when you were talking before at the beginning of the show about the um, the conversations happening around moms and play dates being centered around mom juice and even women in business and the whole idea of just in general, not even limited to, to gender so much. Um, the point I'm trying to get to in my long-winded setup for this question is... Please. Okay. There's a lot... I, <laughs> I know it's painful. Um, I've been hearing in the context of those, those points that you mentioned, 
a discussion around the difference between alcohol dependence and alcohol Mm -hmm. addiction. And Mm. also to your point, you mentioned the difference between AA and some of these other groups that people are joining. Do you, do you feel like you can speak to the difference between alcohol dependence versus alcohol addiction, or is it just a buzzword right now? Well, you know, it's like even in our statistical manual of diagnoses, you know, alcohol dependence was a former diagnosis, um, and a lot of that is the physical dependence, you know, having physical symptoms related to alcohol use. Um, people needing to drink in the morning because they feel so horrible they can't function, having the shakes, tremors. Um, And now, you know, it it is more of this overarching um, substance use disorder. And so the way that it has been looked at is more so of how is alcohol impacting your life? And I look at alcohol and try to educate people that it's along the lines of a spectrum. And so for so long, you know, my, and I'll use myself as an example, I knew I had alcoholism in my family and alcohol is that word isn't even in, isn't even in the medical terminology. Um, am I an alcoholic? <laughs> but I, I referenced how bad was I compared to these other people I knew? And I always thought, well, I'm still working. I never got a DUI. You know, I'm still married. But it was this internal hatred and shame and embarrassment of, you know, drinking too much, doing things I regretted, um, not staying true to my word. And certainly as I became a mom, wanting to do different and better and break the cycle in my family and show up for my kids differently than maybe my own parents could. And then you also mentioned that you have four children and because there is a significant genetic component to alcoholism, you have started educating them at young ages. What are the ages of your children? Sure. They're 16, 14, 12, and 10. And certainly, oh, wow, that's like an amazing window of time to have some uh, <laughs> awkward conversations. <laughs> right, and they're all age-appropriate. You know, I mean, this conversation we have with our 10-year-old is different than we have with our 16-year-old. Um, but, you know, there, there is a different awareness of, and I am not hating on people who drink. I mean, I have everybody in my life drinks other than my sober friends. And so, you know, it's, it's just being able to look at it with a different lens and being able to talk to our kids about, you know, the earlier you start, the higher likelihood you are to develop a problem with it. And my kids know that I'm sober, but why is mom sober and dad's not? Well, dad doesn't act (laughs) differently when he's drinking. Mom definitely does. Um, and that's not mean or anything. It was, you know, over the top. I'm pretty uninhibited anyway, so al- add alcohol to the mix, and <laughs> it's a disaster. So I, I, I function better without it. They celebrate my sober anniversary with me, and, um, you know, they, they, we have really open dialogue about it. Well, and what a beautiful gift, especially for your 10-year-old. They have no memory of what it was like in your life when you did drink. So they only really, for the most part, based on the age ranges that you just said, most of the, the, you know, your children don't even really remember the mom that was before their sober mom. Oh, Tracy, you are good. You are good with math. You're so right. Um, You know, I did, and my drinking escalated the more kids I had. You know, it was. 
trying to, it was a stress, you know, (laughs) it was trying to decompress and my drinking went from binge drinking or just being at a party with friends um, or, you know, working in the bar and, and restaurant industry to then drinking at home and like looking at the clock being like, okay, I can't wait till it's five o'clock because I've got to get, you know, these kids fed and homework and bedtime. And as I mentioned, my husband's an actor. So oftentimes he would work at night and we were like two ships passing in the night. Um, so, so yeah, I, I gratefully, you know, I was sober during every one of my pregnancies and, um, the older kids have a couple of memories that we kind of joke about, but, um, my, our 10 year old, certainly, you know, I got sober before she was one. So we're going to be taking a break. We'll be right back. KHS 1220, 98.1 FM, the S Brian show. Welcome back. It was in KHS 1220, 98.1 FM, the S Brian radio show. Um, we have a great guest today, Kelly, and my co-host Tracy has some more questions. So I'm not the only one who asks questions as a deposition person here. Go ahead. <laughs> well, as an interview person, I am going to ask because I know uh, fascinated listeners want to know the answer to this question. So Brady aside, you're a full-time entrepreneur with a thriving business, an author, a documentary producer, and a mom of four kids. How, and a wife, did I say wife? And how do you balance, or I'm not a bridge believer in work-life balance, but how do you integrate the intersection between work and life with all that you have going on? Mm. and, And that is the question, right? Like, how do we do all these things and not crash? Because that was why I was drinking so much. Um, but in all honesty, it, it, it really, I'm very disciplined and motivated and, and try to be pretty structured. And, you know, I love early mornings. So I am so productive between the hours of five and 5am and 8am. Um, I'm in bed by 9pm, but really being able to do things in a very structured way. I plan out my week on Sunday with what the kids' activities are and what things I have going on. Um, I'm grateful that I love everything that I do, so I feel really energized when I do it. It doesn't feel like work. It's really fun. Um, And I have a really supportive partner, and so we co-parent really well and um, you know, he picks up my slack, I pick up his slack and, um, it, it just really has been finding something that I feel good about. There were certainly organizations I worked for that I didn't love the work I was doing, or I felt really burnt out. Um, there's something to be said about working for yourself, you know? I mean, I'm always on. And so in the sense that, you know, somebody emails me or calls, I get back to them right away, or I'm pitching, um, ideas to different um, TV shows at night while we're sitting on the couch. But um, it's all just really fun. And um, I'm really good about, you know, kind of either turning off or not having any more energy between the hours of, you know, three and seven. And those are the times that um, the kids seem to need us the most at this age. So um, to me, it feels like a good balance. That's amazing. So I know that uh, there are so many people who are going to reach out to you. They're going to want to buy your book, which we'll put in the show notes for our podcast. Uh, but uh, how can people get in touch with you if they want to continue this conversation? 
Sure. So my website, um, I spell my first name Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y, Kitley, K-I-T-L-E-Y.com. And that has links to uh, articles that I uh, contribute to as an expert, um, segments to TV shows. Uh, You can email me directly there. Um, And you can purchase my book there. You can uh, book me as a speaker there. Um, so that's the main, the main source of how people can find out what's going on and how we can connect. Uh, that's amazing. And speaking of the podcast, uh, if you enjoyed listening to this show and want to hear back episodes that you may not have heard or you just want to re-listen to this episode, go to your favorite listening platform, Apple, Spotify. We're on all of them iHeartMedia, and download the Ask Brian, B-R-I-E-N, Ask Brian podcast. And we appreciate you following our podcast and would also love it if you would leave us a review on Apple if that's where you listen. And, again, that's the Ask Brian podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Tracy. Till next week, KHS 1220, 98.1 FM. Over and out.